King for a few weeks. Uh, many of you might have been coming in for the first time uh, today, but we've actually been in a series looking at this idea of our desires and how our desires are connected uh, to what God promises in the new heavens and the new earth. That what we desire, if you just take a minute to think about the things that your heart most longs for, for, for everything to be made right, for instance, for there to be a new creation, uh, for there to be a closeness in your family, to a dearness with your friends, for you to have work that is satisfying and that matters. This is just a sampling of the desires that the human heart has. The Bible tells us those desires, um, which kind of are stoked up at Christmas, that we feel very much this time of year, Jesus Christ comes and answers those desires and also promises in this gap to be with us until the end when there's a new heavens and a new earth and God gives us the desires of our hearts. This seems like an extreme thing. It seems like, well, maybe it's just well-wishing. But what we believe is that God gives us what our hopes and desires are Those are so evident right now at Christmas. And tonight, for just a few minutes, I want us to talk about our desire for glory. For the experience of glory. Just, I want to add three verses. I want you to have in the back of your mind the Christmas story that was just read, the shepherds and the angels um, and, and the, the glory of the Lord and, and the whole story we just read. But let me just add these three verses from the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light Momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. I really do hope that you have a Merry Christmas and a really happy Christmas Tonight, uh, however, I'm going to just for a moment risk depressing you just for a second. All right, I'm going to bring bring it down for just a second, and you'll see why. Because um, where we're heading is is glory. But I'm going to say something that I know you know, and that I know you agree with, because it's the human experience. Everything glorious ends. <laughs> Everything glorious comes to an end. I have four sons, and uh, my youngest is a one-and-a-half-year-old, 19 months old now, um, and he and I have a special daddy-son game that we play. It's called Budden Budden. That's the, that's the sound a truck makes, if you didn't, if you didn't know. Um, we play Budden Budden. Here's, here's how the game works. Uh, he says to me, you know, indicate it's time to play. So we go out to my truck, um, and we start it up, and he sits in my lap, or he sits in the, in the seat next to me, and, um, and we, I, I put it in reverse, and I go back about 15, 20 feet out of our carport, and then I drive back in the 15 or 20 feet, the carport, and repeat ad nauseum, right? 
repeat the sounding joy, right? Over and over and over again, uh, backwards and forwards. And he is delighted with this. If, if I'm home for the day, he asks me four or five times. We do this four or five times a day sometimes. And it does get old, and it, there are times when I want to say no to him, and times I have to say no to him, of course. But I, I'm always trying to remember this. The day is coming when he will never ask for this again, right? The, how glorious it is right now is, is not going to be glorious forever. And in fact, just this week, the glory is beginning to fade. I can see it, right? I can see him getting a little bored. I can see him getting distracted. I can see he's not as thrilled as he once is. And this is just his first initiation into the human experience Everything that seems glorious at one time or another comes to an end. This is our experience. I find a lot of comfort in the fact that that was true the very first Christmas night. The glory of the first Christmas night actually came to an end. You know, it was a glorious night. It was the night of the shepherds, the night of the angels, Jesus was born, and we read in the story how this theme of glory, right? The glory of the Lord shone around the angels. And what do the angels say? They say, glory to God in the highest. And they tell the shepherds, and they go and look at the Christ child. And once they see him, they leave from there glorifying God. It's a glorious event. What is this glory of God. It's a hard word to define, but it's this outward expression of something that is worth a lot. It's of great prominence or great worth. It's the things that accompany something wonderful, splendid. And God's glory filled the night. But I wonder if you've noticed, I've been thinking about this this week. At the end of the story, there's four words here in English in verse 20 that I found myself catching on this year. And the shepherds returned. They returned where? Back to the fields. You know, the thing is, after this glorious Christmas night, the next day, what were the shepherds doing? They were shepherding. And the next day after that, they were shepherding. Everything glorious ends. In a sense... The shepherds were the first ones to pack up the Christmas lights and the decor- put them, the decorations away because they had experienced the glory of Christmas and they had to remember that glory. Everything glorious ends. Now, what do we do with that fact? If it's true that everything glorious ends, well, what do we do? Well, there's several options. We can believe that... Um, this glorious impulse, this desire for glorious things is part of our DNA. It's part of our biological urge, our evolutionary design, that it's our, um, our drive for, for things that are glorious makes us pursue things that, that we would not otherwise pursue as a species or something like that. That's what some have advanced. There's a darker version of this where basically there is no design at all. If you desire something glorious, it's probably the fact that it's a cruel and torturous accident of nature, that we have been programmed for something unrealistic. 
that we want things we can't have. And Christmas, viewed from that angle, is very dark indeed. These well-wishing cries for peace and joy and peace on earth and all the things that we talk about is just kind of like a well-wishing thought, but that's not what the universe has handed us. Or, you can believe what C.S. Lewis came to believe, though he held a previous position that I mentioned before earlier in his life. And what he said is that if I find in myself a desire that in this world cannot be satisfied, the, the thing that I'm thinking, the logical thing for me, is that I think perhaps I was made for a different world. Perhaps I'm built for something else. Perhaps the desire itself is a pathway to its own fulfillment. And that is what I'm preaching to us tonight. That our desire for glory is a pathway to its own fulfillment. That the glory you long for cannot be experienced now because of certain barriers that will one day be removed. And, and the glory of Christmas will continue forever. What are these barriers what are these things that stand in the way? Well, the first one that Paul tells us here is this, is that we lack capacity. We lack capacity. In verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 4, he says, though our outer self is wasting away. Our outer self is wasting away. This is a sad but true reality. The moment that we are born, there's a shelf life initiated. We get older. We experience less and less glory in the body. Less and less of, is the body the place where we experience the glorious things. And it happens at different rates, but it, can't, it happens to everyone. One reason that we don't experience unending glory is that our bodies don't have the capacity for it. Our minds grow fuzzy. Our experiences grow dim. Our pleasures decrease. But what if we didn't lack that capacity? The Bible promises that we, we will have increased capacity for glory in at least two ways. Well, first of all, right now, we have an inner self. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. When you feel the glory of the body fading, the glory of the outside experience, the, the glory of your capacity for glory fading away, remember this. God is not just doing something on the outside of you. He's doing something in you. As David says when he's writing this psalm about his pleasures now, he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The joys of God can be had in any bodily condition. Here's how... Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 3. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, present tense, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This is happening right now if you're in Christ. That we don't, though the, the outside is wasting away, the inside day by day is being shaped into the image of Christ. And that is where more and more the glory of life is. But it's not just on the inside. It's not just the inner self. Because if we know the story, the Jesus who's in the manger now will grow up and live a perfect life and he'll die on our behalf 
and he will be raised from the dead, and in his resurrection he will have a new and imperishable body. And the Bible tells us that's exactly what happens to those of us who trust in Jesus. He is the first fruits, but we are the harvest of the resurrection. He has a new body. He gives us a new body, and our bodies will be like His. We don't even know what glory will be like, but we know that we'll be like Him because we will see Him as He is, the Bible says. We will see Him and be transformed into His likeness, and there will never again be a lack of capacity for glory. The second thing we lack is a lack of perspective. Paul says this in verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul sees his life and his struggles as light and momentary. That's very significant because he was afflicted more than any one of us in this room. Read 2 Corinthians 11. Paul tells us he received the 39 lashes. That's the Jewish punishment, 40 lashes less one, just in case they miscount. They want, to do, they want to do the maximum amount of the law. 40 lashes, 39 lashes. He received that five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Three times he was shipwrecked. And on and on and on he goes. And all of this, with his perspective as he's writing this to us, is light, momentary. How? I grew up going to a summer camp every year, Camp of the Rising Sun. And uh, it's a, it was a boy's dream, archery, you know, fishing, horseback riding, etc. And it was my, the highlight of my year to go every year to this camp. And one year... It was right before I left for camp. I had my trunk packed and everything, and I came down with pneumonia, and it was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I couldn't move. I was on the couch, and of course, I missed summer camp. And I remember, I remember exactly where I was laying in the house, looking out the door outside. The sun was shining outside. I can still see the tree that I was looking at in my mind's eye, and I was thinking, my life is over. My life is over. What happened? I couldn't imagine a greater glory than summer camp, and therefore, I couldn't imagine a greater hardship than missing it. But now, 25, 30 years later, that hardship seems light and momentary compared to the hardships that I've experienced since and compared to the glories that I've experienced since. We can understand this, can't we? The perspective, the perspective of light and momentary, if we can see that within a span of 30 years within our own lives, what's to prevent our mind from at least conceptualizing that maybe everything that happens to us now is a preparation for something that is beyond our experience that is more glorious and less hard than we have ever conceived of. Paul says this is preparation. These afflictions are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond comparison. One day, the Bible tells us we will not lack perspective. We will not lack capacity Third and finally, and we'll close with this, 
faith. One of the reasons why we don't experience unending glory right now is that we do not have the faith to experience it. He says here in Corinthians, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. That's what the Bible calls faith, looking at the unseen. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And part of why we can't experience unending glory right now is because we are attached too much to what we can see. And, and a, to think beyond that is embarrassing, or uh, we feel like we're putting ourselves out there to, to dwell on something that is unseen, that is a promise that's future. But he says, the seen things, well, you know what those are like. Transient. Everything glorious ends. That's our human experience. If, if our hope is in only the things that we are seeing, surely we know that that hope, that glory will end. What's the alternative? To look to the things we can't see, to have faith in what is unseen. And the Bible says this is eternal. How do we get this faith? We respond to the God who calls from the heavens like He did to the shepherds who are in the fields abiding with their flocks. And He comes to them and He shows them His glory and they respond in faith. They say, come, let us See, let's see this child. We can't hear about this or see this glorious experience and not go and check it out. And so they go and they look on him with their eyes. Now I want you to think about this. Once. They looked on him once, most likely. They went back to the fields. And every single day after that first Christmas, They had to believe in the Christ that they could not see. They had to have faith, just like you and me were called to come and look, were invited to come and look at this Christ child, not with our physical eyes, but with the eyes of faith, to look at him and to believe, hard as it is, maybe even embarrassing as it is to say this child will redeem the world. This child will live for me. This child will die for me. This child will be raised in newness of life. And if you have the eyes of faith, the Bible says you will be raised with him. You will have the same glory. You will share in his glory and he will lead you to a place where you will no longer lack capacity for glory. You will no longer lack the perspective to experience glory, and you will no longer lack faith. All you will have is the glory of God forever. Here's the main thing. Whatever fading glory we experience at Christmas, whatever fading glory or hope to experience, not everybody's going to have a great Christmas. I hope that you do. But whatever glory you experience, whatever 
moment that you are looking at your family and loving them, whatever moment when you receive a great gift or whatever glorious kind of light display that you see that lights up your heart, whatever it is, whatever glory you experience at Christmas is preparing you for a glory that does not end. When you experience that glory, you can say, this is a hint. This is a pathway. This is what God is leading me towards. When I have faith in Him, and I look to Christ with the eyes of faith, I am promised a glory that doesn't end. Let's pray.